Hello, Two Soka family, and welcome to another episode of Two Sisters of a Certain Age, Conversations with a Therapist. I'm a doctor. I am your co-host, Judy Grant, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Sophia Grant, board-certified pediatrician and board-certified child abuse pediatrician. So, Candy, we have an amazing guest today. Yep, um do. A guest with a whole lot of longevity yeah. um, in regards to our relationships. But before we get to her, I just want to shout out Wise Paws. What yeah. is Wise Paws, Candy? It, it's, um, I feel like it's a collective of women entering into the next phase of life, midlife, menopause. And it's an organization that supports women in that next step of their journey. Right. So yesterday, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go, no yesterday, yesterday, we had the opportunity to attend the Wise Paws conference. It was right. a day-long event at the beautiful Skirball Skirball. Cultural Center. Uh -huh. And we heard from doctors, stylists, um, nutritionists, personal trainers about how we can all um, better take care of ourselves and understand that process in this stage of life. Right. Um, and really walk away with some really good interventions. Right. And uh, we do have a special connection to that organization because my dear friend was the first speaker yesterday morning. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Suzanne Gilbert-Lenz, who I've been vetting her for about 40 years now. And uh, we so met, she's passed. She's passed. I finally yeah. made it. You made the cut. You made the cut. Um, but Suzanne is um, uh, a very well-recognized OB guy who practices in Beverly Hills. And last year she wrote a book. It's called Menopause Boot Camp. And um, she talks about this phase of life that we're in. I just finished reading the book yesterday. And I'd like to say that it's a very conversational book. Like you feel like you're talking to somebody but you feel like that person knows a lot about what they're talking about. So it's not so conversational that you walk away with nothing, but it, it has a lot of information. And this is the type of book that you kind of, you need to use it as a reference because it's so chock full of uh, good information. And I'm just gonna read what Rashida Jones said. I feel a thousand times smarter after reading Menopause Boot Camp. This book is so rich with important information that I can return to it for years to come. And I really do agree with that statement. So um, the book is about menopause, but what's interesting is um, we, I got a message from a woman I went to high school with, Natalie Bell, we all went to high school with her. And she said she would love to talk about menopause from the Ayurveda, and yoga standpoint. And Suzanne just happens to be an expert in that area. So Suzanne, can you um, just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, wow. Well, first of all, I'm so excited to, to be on the podcast with you too. It's, um, it's really special because I've known you pretty much my whole life. So mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, 
My interest in menopause is um, something that's evolved over the course of my practice and my life because as I got older and my patients got older, I realized we were entering into this without a lot of information. There's a lot more backstory to it that I won't spend time on. But as you mentioned, I also had studied, I have studied Ayurveda and yoga extensively. I actually, after completing my OBGYN residency uh, in 2000, I, I was really stressed out, honestly, and, and I was doing a little bit of yoga. I decided I wanted to learn how to meditate. I was a young mom. I had two toddlers. I was trying to start my practice. It was just craziness. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys can relate. And yeah. really out of my own interest for my own sanity and mental health, I kind of started getting into this stuff, and I, I wound up getting introduced to Ayurveda. So for your listeners who don't know what that is, it's the ancient uh, holistic traditional medical system of India. So it's similar to Chinese medicine in many ways, grew up probably around 6,000 years ago, very similar um, approaches to life. And it's honestly leaked into the, the popular culture in a lot of ways without people really understanding that that's where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. But it is what we like to call the original lifestyle medicine. So in Ayurveda, we look at our unique individual differences. People, there isn't a prescriptive, like this is what you do. You need to have an understanding of who you are and there are, there's a paradigm basis in elements and things like that, that if you're that interested, you can, we can send a link and you can read my book. I do talk about it. But it's also linked to the season, the locality, the season of your life. So the idea is that we have to constantly be checking in with ourselves and shifting with what is presented to us, that there is no I, like perfect point of, of balance. You know, if you think about a seesaw, the seesaw never is straight across. It's right. constantly moving. This idea, right. I think, in Western culture, of we're going to find some, like, we're going to optimize. And right. I mean, I do have optimize in the title of my book, but I think this idea that optimization is a state and you find it and then you're there, that's mm -hmm. ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It doesn't reflect right. reality. Mm -hmm. And Ayurveda talks a lot more about shifting and change. And um, that was what was interesting to me. What ended up happening is because I learned about yoga is actually part of Ayurveda. Herbalism mm -hmm. is part of Ayurveda. Um, meditation is part of Ayurveda. I really did it for me, but it influenced my patients because I had a broader approach. And so when I started getting into my practice and having people come to me with problems that I didn't know about, this was another tool in my toolkit. And I, I ended mm -hmm. up becoming known in the community as somebody who was actually just open-minded, really. It's not like I was treating people with Ayurveda. I don't have an Ayurvedic practice, and I wouldn't um, say that I do, but, it, but that larger, more universal mind-body-spirit approach has had a massive impact on my own life, and personally and professionally. Well, so, it sounds like you've utilized it to inform your treatment with each of your clients, each of yes, your patients. Yes. And I love the fact that it is so individualized because there is no one size fits all. I hate right. those tags. I hate but, those tags because yeah. there's no possible way that works. what works for others is going to work for me. Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, obviously, there are certain things and, you know, you both can appreciate like 
there's certain medicines we, you know, there's an antibiotic that's the right for a certain infection. Right. But, you sure. know, in general, when you're talking about, again, and, and I think when you talk about menopause and physiologic changes to our body, it's really important because I'm not about pathologizing this. This is not a pathology. Midlife is just a blessing. Right. You're still alive. Right. And, and I think when we frame this as a disease, we're really making a big mistake. So Ayurvedic approaches are very, very helpful in this way because this is yet another transition that we get to navigate. So what are the tools that we can utilize to help us navigate this more smoothly and, you know, in community with support, with practices that really are nourishing, which is a big issue in our culture in general. It's a big issue for women. It's a big issue for women at midlife because we tend to be sandwiched between if we have kids and families, you know, older parents or older relatives and young people trying to transition or work mm -hmm. and home. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I personally have seen this in myself and with my friends and with my patients, just feeling so overwhelmed and burnt out. And now you have all these like actual physiologic changes in your body that make it even harder to deal. And you don't have training, honestly, to take care of yourself. We never have been taught as women to center ourselves. So you're right. just like, ah, what do you do? Right, mm -hmm. right. I find it interesting that um, puberty is considered kind of a natural pathway. You, you know, you go through puberty, you, become, you, you enter your reproductive years, and then menopause, which is a natural path, is somehow like disgusting and yeah, nasty yeah. and unnatural, and we need to avoid it rather than embrace it. And, um, you know, we've talked about this, like, we really weren't taught much about menopause. And no. we, you know, your period stops, you get hot flashes. That's what we were taught. But, yeah. you know, the other stuff we weren't taught. And I'm sure women come to you kind of confused at this phase and um, wanting to change it, correct it, um, treat it. Um, what do you think is like one of the the biggest frustrations of your patients when they come to you? Well, exactly that. It, it's I mean, it's multifactorial, but I think there's the this dual kind of like grief. Oh my gosh, I'm losing who I am, who I was, who I want to be, who I think I'm supposed to be, and confusion and fear, like deep seated panic. Right. Um, about like, what am I supposed to do about this? I like don't even know how to feel better, let alone get through it. And, um, and, and it is a big problem because just like as a human being and, you know, we're all like in the healthcare profession, right? Like we literally, we really like have devoted ourselves to caring for other people. So it's really hard when you have <clears throat> empathy and compassion to see someone struggling like that. It just mm -hmm. seems so unfair. Um, but the other thing is that you're also battling like these massive cultural forces that are misogyny, ageism, racism, like all this stuff like really comes mm -hmm. to bear here because it's pretty crazy that as women, we're, uh, the story is we're not supposed to age. Like what? Right. That's insane. Like so right. the alternative is what? Go away? Die? Apparently that's right. one of the narratives out there. <clears throat> and um, it's, really, it's really shifting and it's shifting rapidly, I'm noticing right now. But those are big forces to battle within yourself and in the outside world. And I think even if you are aware of this perspective and you share this perspective, it's so, so hard. 
And then think about the people who don't even understand how much these isms are coming to bear on their personal life. Like that is really painful. I got to tell you, so there's anxiety and panic is a big thing that starts to happen out of the blue for a lot of people. Judy, you've probably seen this mm -hmm. in this in this stage of life. I personally experienced it. Some of it is definitely hormonal, definitely mm -hmm. hormonal. But it's hard for me to believe that some of it's not and that it's like, like I said, oh my God, what am I going to do? Who am I right. going to be? Like, I don't see how that doesn't affect us. Right. No, and that's like, that's not treated with Lexapro. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, there's such um, a stigma yeah. around menopause. Yeah. And you're not supposed to talk about it. No. And if you do talk about it, it's like whispered in corners. Yeah. And yeah. as opposed to, you know, when when our our young girls are getting their period, that can be celebrated in a home, period right? Period parties, yeah. Right, a mm -hmm. period party. But you guys, you, get you know, when we were that package. age, when we were that age, that wasn't the case. Like, so so here's where I have hope. I mean, I don't know about in your family, but not in my family. And nobody was like, and my, my parents weren't like, you know, they were, I remember my mom was kind of excited. My dad was too, which was like, ugh, so horrifying. I was like, ew. <laughs> Your physician I remember, father. I remember getting, yes, I remember, I literally remember, I remember getting my period and just being like mortified and telling my mom, being like, don't tell dad. And of course, you know, she went and told my dad. Uh -huh. And then my dad like said something or, you know, Arnie, he can't. So, and I was just wanted to die. So the thing is that that was my thing, but but it was also like, it wasn't cool to have your period. like. One of my most embarrassing middle uh, medical school stories is that I was rounding. This is, I know, is tangential, oh but yeah. I was rounding. I was the only woman on the team. Um, I think it was internal medicine, and like the attending asked for a pen, and I reached in my pocket to get a pen, and like a tampon had been unfurled and was like uh, attached <laughs> attached to the pen, and I pulled it out, and like it was. So awkward, mm -hmm. 1995 or something mm -hmm. at County Hospital. Not my finest moment, um, which is funny now. But the point is, like, things can change. My long-winded mm, right. point here is I think things can change. And I think when we have events like Wise Pause, when we have women like you, you know, talking about it, when we have me on the Drew Barrymore show talking about it, like, mm -hmm. it's the tide is turning. I also think that our generation is just not about that. We're like, no, we're not going silently into the right. sunset. Sorry, that's not how Gen X does things. Right, right. Yeah, you know, so we're not, we're not buying you, into it. As you say that, I have to turn on my handheld fan that I got at Wise Paws yesterday because I'm, <laughs> I I'm, wish I'm, I'm mine, flashing I as listen, I speak. You saw that I had to like run downstairs and turn the AC on. It's doing nothing for me mm -hmm. up here in this nook. Huh. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Good lord! <laughs> so, um, while we have you on 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 the podcast, I want to talk about some common symptoms and just kind of throw out common treatments. Now, one thing that Suzanne is all about is individualize your care. You know, don't just listen and say, "Oh, I heard this on the podcast." But okay, so let's talk about dry vagina. Let's talk about you're sitting down and you feel like the walls are stuck together and you're like, what the hell is going on in my crotch? Yeah, that's so, so awful. Hold on. I have to share this because I don't know how many years ago Candy shared a joke with me. Like she pulls down her panty and there's sand in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is this is when I I, I go on my menopausal uh, comedy tour. Yeah, <laughs> how dry is your vagina? Like it feels like uh, cactus, feels like prickles. What's up with that? Yeah. So 
You know, one of the consequences of declining estrogen in our body is that tissue changes. So the mm -hmm. tissue literally remodels itself. And, and I mean, we know that in the skin that we can see externally, we lose collagen, we lose elastin. That's why we get wrinkles. That's why mm -hmm. things sag. We lose plumpness because we have less blood flow. And in the vaginal mucosa, which actually is similar to the lining of your mouth, mm -hmm. you lose tissue density, so it actually gets thinner. You okay. have less blood flow, less collagen, less elastin, so you get, have less moisture in the area, and you have less like play, like it won't move as much as, right. you know, the, we're not used to feeling our vagina like on right. a regular basis. Right. Like when we're doing out and about doing things, we don't really want to feel that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's it literally when someone is that dry, and I do have patients, a lot of patients who experience that, the tissue is not gliding next to it, each right. other mm -hmm. as we move. Mm -hmm. It also affects your urinary tract. So people often think that they have bladder infections or UTIs, and they, they don't actually have an infection. They have irritation in the tissue because now the microbiome has changed in that area, so the normal appearing bacteria has sh shifted and changed, the pH has changed, the odor can change. And you actually are more susceptible to getting infections, mm -hmm. but more often than not, it's just inflammation and irritation. So what can you do? Yeah. There are a lot of products out there on the market that are non-hormonal and hormonal that work great. The non-hormonal stuff you can get without a prescription. All things are not equal. Some things are better than others. And you know, I'll tell you, things with hyaluronic acid uh, which I'm sure most of you have seen for your, your skin on your face, yeah. mm -hmm. work really, really well. There are some suppositories and some serums and things like that that can be very, very helpful just for like daily dryness. Be careful. Mm -hmm. The more stuff that's in it, scents, things like that, hygiene products, cleansing, yeah. no, don't ever do that. Don't ever right. do that. But the hyaluronic acid can be very helpful. Um, I'm, not, I, I'm actually like, it's surprising to some people, but natural is not always better. So hyaluronic acid is something that occurs in your body, but it's being manufactured in a plant, right? Mm -hmm. Coconut oil and things like that for some people who aren't sensitive can be really great for just moisture. The thing with those oils is that they absorb really rapidly into the tissue. And so for, for skin, for, for lube, for sex, we're not talking that they're not good, okay? Um, for this, it can be helpful. We, there were a lot of interesting products yesterday at WisePause, and there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in kind of like the cannabis field um, mm -hmm. where there's some interesting products because uh, cannabis itself in its various forms like uh, the cannabinoids, mm -hmm. so not necessarily mm -hmm. THC, not psychoactive, mm -hmm. but the cannabinoids in CBD are known to be anti-inflammatory. So those, those are really interesting to me. But the reality is that estrogen Vaginal estrogen, which is FDA approved, can bioidentical. You don't have to go get fancy, compounded, specialty made. Your doctor needs to prescribe it, and it comes in a lot of different formats. Creams, suppositories, tablets, rings really are the most beneficial and very, very, very safe, despite what you may think. So honestly, vaginal estrogen or other, there's one product called Prasterone, which is DHEA, it's a precursor hormone. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get in the weeds with that one. Um, really, really help. They really help. And there's absolutely no reason to not get help. There's a lot of data out there showing that women will wait a very long time, five to 10 years to ask about things like sexual health, urinary symptoms, vaginal complaints. 
you know, if you wait for your doctor to ask you, you, you may be waiting there forever. You've got right. to come in and advocate mm -hmm. for yourself. Mm -hmm. So Suzanne, just to piggyback on that, with this change in tissue and this dryness, could that lead to painful intercourse? Yes. And absolutely. then how, how, how do women, you know, treat that because they still want to be intimate with their partner. Right. Um, but I think this is a concern that women have and that equates to low libido. And so there's just a ripple effect here. And I want to be able to help some people who might have these questions. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So the vaginal estrogens and the vaginal hormones are bar none the most beneficial in that area. And um, I'm so glad you brought it up because this is an area that people get very frustrated in and get a lot of misinformation. So first of all, let me just say, if you decide to use vaginal hormones, you, you gotta give it about 90 days to see the maximum benefit. And if you've waited for a very long time, this is not gonna go away with one application or even in 90 days. If it's, you know, you're just starting on your journey and you're not even done with your periods yet, it's gonna probably work faster. If it's been five years, it's gonna take a lot longer. So mm -hmm. be patient, make sure you're working with somebody who really, is also patient and expert in this area. There are there are doctors that are sexual health experts and there are doctors that are not. Um, so those are probably the most beneficial. That's where there, you may need to also use lube as well. So I will say that using lubrication with sex is something that I've, I've noticed a lot of people feel bad about it, like it's some kind of a failure. And it's really mm -hmm. like, I mean, I get it, but also you kind of have to move on. Because right. you've got to use what you got to use, and it's not, um, it's not some kind of a failure. And I think the, it also it starts getting into like more intimacy, vulnerability. Com are you communicating if you have a partner with your partner right. about what's going on? Because if that person, if you have, or if you're having penis and vagina sex, and you can't talk to the penis owner about putting it in there, like wow, we've got a much bigger problem. Really, because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, you end up becoming a relationship expert by, by default when you're a gynecologist if you're willing to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Here's some interesting things, um, and so, so the lube plus vaginal estrogen, hyaluronic acid can be helpful again. Things like that, using the right lube, silicone-based lubes are the best because they stay slick, they don't absorb, they don't pull fluid out of the tissue, they don't put fluid into the tissue, which is going to increase friction not decrease friction. Um, and then there's also all these energy-based devices that we have you know, borrowed from the aesthetics community that cause micro-injury to the vaginal tissue. And then the body's responses to regrow due to the inflammatory response. So you get that collagen, that elastin, which you need for stretch, mm -hmm. and you get blood flow, get a change in the tissue and some restoration. So things like radio frequency, microneedling, which I know sounds horrible, we numb you up, um, some of the lasers, these can be really helpful. They can be helpful for incontinence as well. I do want to caution people to work with a practitioner who's not an aesthetics person because aesthetics and sexual health are not the same. You really should be working with a gynecologist or a doctor who is trained in sexual health because they will understand the full complement of issues. And I think when we start looking at libido, Judy, mm -hmm. libido is complicated for humans, spe specifically for human women. If you're, I have seen people have their libido treated, and I'm air quoting, right? Like they're getting testosterone and things like that, which is, you know, not a one size fits all. But 
their vagina has not been examined. If you have a dry vagina or a relationship issue and you're getting testosterone for libido, I, tell me you didn't actually talk to that patient. Right. Because you, that's, this, this is, there's a much more 360 approach that needs to happen and people deserve it. And it's not just to like go in and get a pellet. I want to go into pellets, but I'll just say I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. um, no, I don't think we have, I know we don't have safety data. So you're now you're horny as hell and your vagina hurts. Like, well, I'm sorry, what? What the? And I've had that walk into my office, that exact wow. scenario. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, this kind of goes into some of the predatory practices. Oh, yes. Of women in menopause and going to these um, menopause experts who want to test your hormones, test, 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 every, get everything in cash. And so you have to really discern yep. uh, when choosing who you go to for your menopausal treatment yeah. and make sure it's not a predator. But it's really hard because the problem yeah. for people is like we started, you know, talking about this. People don't even know what's going on in their own bodies, let alone what's out there. And, you know, the minute you talk about this, the minute somebody re watches this, their algorithm, if it wasn't already full, it will be full. And it's very hard for people to tell who is out there for them and who right. is mm -hmm. out there for their cash. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what to say to people. Like, I feel like here I am saying stuff and I'm, I'm telling you I'm an expert. I'm not trying to get, I still take insurance. Trust me, mm -hmm. much to my financial discredit, it's not making me money, guys, right. at all, which is my problem, not yours. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying you need to go to somebody who's a martyr, but like if, if every time you walk in the door, it's a big bill and, and they're asking you to keep coming back yeah. for big bills, like mm -hmm. you sh that's a red flag. Right, right, right. And the doctors yeah. who sell the supplements in their office, that's kind yeah. of cringy to me. Yeah. Um, you know, in reading the book, I learned that spicy foods can cause hot flashes and yeah. caffeine can cause hot yeah. flashes. Whoa. Hello, so, Starbucks. Like, what? <laughs> I, 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 I did not know that. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, frequently hot flashes, menopause, but so many things can cause the hot flashes. First of all, we have that kind of dysregulation that happens uh -huh. during this phase. But then even like if you exercise too close to bedtime, your, 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 uh, your temperature, your internal temperature is up. It affects your sleep. And yeah. um, so um, what the heck is it with the hot flashes? I know it's multifactorial dysregulation, yeah. drop in hormones. But why is that kind of like when you talk about menopause, so many women bond over yes. those hot flashes. Yes, yes, What's yes. up with that? Well, I mean, we're starting to understand it a little bit more. It has to, there's a, a part of your brain called the thermoregulatory center that, as you mentioned, gets dysregulated. Basically, the, the, the narrow, the, the normal range that the brain is reading get, gets inappropriately narrowed and mm -hmm. things trigger it. And, and here's the thing. There are people who don't have this kind of intense problem with hot flashes. I mean, it's like 15% or less. Mm -hmm. But not everybody has the same response, and we just don't understand it well enough. We're starting to understand it a little bit better. Um, with some of these newer meds, we know that they like have an impact directly on that, on some of the neurokinins and things like that, some of these um, brain chemistry molecules. But 
We don't, like, what is the purpose of it? Who the hell knows? Mm -hmm. And why do you have so many more than I do? Also, who knows? That we do know that usually it'll be like a period of time in which it's intense, you know, and it could be two to 10 years, by the way. Mm -hmm. But it'll start mm -hmm. to slow down and go away for a large number of us. Something like 7% of us are still having occasional hot flashes in our 70s. I'm so sorry to tell you this. That's a, yeah. But that's also not a lot of people. And mm -hmm. having them occasionally, I don't think anybody cares. Staying up all night or every single time you, you know, walk out the door, you're having one is obviously super disruptive. The other thing that people need to know is that it's not just like a funny punchline, mm -hmm. but you know, people who have more hot flashes have an increased risk for cardiovascular disease. It's like an early warning sign in some ways, and so it's important for women to be aware of that and make sure that, again, they're advocating for themselves because heart disease is the number one killer of right. women, and it tends, it presents very differently in women. Um, and not the classic left-sided, you know, shoulder right. or neck, that uh -huh. thing. And yeah. right, it can be fatigue, uh, GI symptoms, stuff like that. And I think the combination of not being aware of our cardiovascular health, not being aware that women's heart disease is different, and not being mm -hmm. aware that hot flashes might actually be related um, is a real, uh, is a really big problem. So, you know, I'm not, I'm like not answering the question totally, but I do want to use it to educate people so that they know that, look, you get to choose how you're going to deal with anything in your life. But if it's that bad, it may be something that really warrants your attention in a different mm -hmm. way. Right. You know, I, I, um, you mentioned some, well, listen, I'm taking notes this whole time because there's so <laughs> much good stuff. So thank you for that. But you mentioned something that struck me and takes me back to my childhood, that hot flashes are not something that should be joked about. It's not a laughing matter for that woman going through it. Please, please don't diminish me. Don't dismiss right. me. Don't right. belittle me because I'm going through this. And I remember, and Candy can attest to this, yeah. our father used the to physician. joke, the physician used to, used to joke with our mother about her hot, her hot flashes. flashes. Yeah. And it was... It, it was, was like, this it was, thing. It was like a punchline and, you know. Every time. Right. And I'm, right. and first of all, that was the only thing I learned about hot flashes as a child because of the joke my father would make. Yeah. Um, but today, if my husband joked with me in any way, shape or form about papers. that, <laughs> yes, <you>? tomorrow. <laughs> and it's, it's, um, he recognizes, and I appreciate it, that it's distressing yeah. Um, yeah. when you're going through this. Yeah. And, you know, he has his frustrations because I pull the covers on, I fling them off, I pull them, I fling them. I've got the fan five inches from my face. Um, but it's just to anyone out there that thinks it's funny, it's really not. Because yeah. when we're in it, we are suffering. I just want to say to anybody out there that thinks that this is amusing, please know it's not. The women around you are truly uncomfortable and in distress. And in addition to all of that, we think about it a great deal. Where yeah. am I going to be when I have a flash? Yeah. yeah. Do I need to take a fan with me when I'm up at that podium or when yeah. I'm in personally, when I'm in class or God forbid, I'm in with a client. I'm in with a client and I have a flash and it's, it takes me away from my 
ability to be present with my client because now this heat is just all over me. So it's not funny. It's not funny. Please don't joke about it. (laughs) Clearly you're triggered. Um, (laughs) I mean, for me, it's easier because like, this is what I do. So I realize how lucky I am and that, I mean, I'm literally the voice of menopause for a lot of people. So if I'm having a hot flash, you know, you're going to hear about it in my office, but but it's really, it can make you also feel um, less than in some way, because we know that how it's viewed by other people or what we've been conditioned, like the way, you know, you were raised. It's misogyny, like women can't handle it. Yeah. And I think if your choice is to like, I I think the, the thing here is like, let the hot flasher make the choice about how they want to discuss it or not because mm-hmm. it's it just um everybody feels differently about it and it is super uncomfortable it's sort of like um like when i was breastfeeding and like i had to pump and i just couldn't it was kind of like you couldn't think about anything else like your right. brain literally or like when you have to pee right. like any human mm-hmm. can you like if you pee really bad like you literally cannot think of anything else you cannot function Right. So right. I, I have a um, just a thought wondering, and I know this to be true, but Suzanne, from your perspective, as a therapist, when anything is like affecting our physicality, um, like it can wear on our mental health, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it can. You mentioned anxiety, um, depression. This could knowing that you're going through menopause, I think affects women in in so many ways. And one of those is like, I'm not a woman anymore. I'm no longer able to bear children. And I think that's a huge psychological shift for people, which could lead to second guessing and doubting and self-confidence and self-worth and value and all of those, those horrible negative self-talk messages that we will feed ourselves. And, yeah. and I'm curious, like, what has your experience been with that? It's, it's all of that. I mean, it depends on the person. One of the things that I've personally experienced has been really great. Like, my perspective on this has been confirmed. I don't know, you know, confirmatory bias, right? But, <clears throat> and, and it's interesting because somebody posted a quote from my book this weekend. And it was basically about that, like, how we re- also get a choice to look at this as a transformation and... Um, leveling up to be perfectly honest but that's that has to because that is not being uh, acculturated because Mm -hmm. we're not getting the message that menopause could be a positive experience we don't necessarily feel that way so there's all this discomfort physically psychologically everything else that's going on that's like you know organic coming from inside of us coming from chemical changes there's the idea that we and i talked about this yesterday in my talk like we get really um, identified with our cycle, like whether we're having our cycle, how are we having right. our cycle? Are we avoiding our cycle? Are we trying right. to get pregnant? Are we trying to not get pregnant? Yeah. Whatever it is, like that's a massive, that's like a 30, 40 year span of time. Yeah. Right. So of course, if you so feel true. like that's who you are, like as yeah. a woman, this is who I am. The mm-hmm. culture is then telling you your, your whole thing here is to bear children and be sexy. Okay. It doesn't matter yeah. if you're like, you know, a person who chose to never have kids, you don't even have sex with men or <laughs> like, and that's why people like that don't feel like they're embraced or normal because what's supposed to be normal is heterosexual, cis-heterosexual behavior. So we're going to put that aside, even though that's a huge topic. Now you're not doing that anymore, so who are you? But the mm-hmm. reality is that you are getting to be who you are. 
you know, before you were menstruating, you were a full person as well. And think about like how interesting, curious, inquisitive, creative small children are. We, We, all three of us have raised kids. I mean, think about that period of their life and as a parent and you really, I think if you talk to new parents, one of the most universal experiences as a new parent is I get to see the eyes, the world through their eyes again. Right. It's so beautiful mm-hmm. and transformative. Mm-hmm. What, can we please apply that to this part of our lives? Because that is, I'm telling you right now, that is what has happened to me. And I did not consider myself a really super hormonal person, which is amusing because I certainly in my 30s, and it was probably early, men, per, early perimenopause, my PMS was off the chain to the point where my medical assistant told me later that she knew she tracked my cycle because I was a crazy <laughs> person. I was a nut. Mm-hmm. And you guys know me a long time. I'm like, mm-hmm. not that chill. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. fun. I can be chill, but I'm a pretty intense person. Mm-hmm. So now, I, oh my God, it was, it was uh, both beautiful and embarrassing. So I was like, oh, thank you, Maria, for loving me that much, right? She mm-hmm. literally tracked my cycle because I was a bitch, okay? <laughs> and I was like, whatever a lot of shit was going on in my life I'm gonna tell you something so my daughter Georgia's birthday is September 23rd weirdly enough it's in my calendar my last menstrual period was on her birthday last year so I am getting really close to my menopause day we're gonna have a party everybody Mm -hmm. I am gonna tell you I feel like a different person I I'm I'm like whoa cycling was not so much fun for me it turns out I am so much more steady and you guys know what I've been through in the last year Mm -hmm. right a major Mm -hmm. breakup my Mm -hmm. mom died not that long ago I'm totally transforming my career my youngest is moving out of the house like every single thing in my life is up in the air I'm very blessed I'm very blessed I have every resource available I have so much love I have friends like you I am awesome. I am better than awesome with all of this bullshit going on. And I swear to you, it's not just because I'm going to be 58 and I'm uh, hitting my stride. I don't have my hormones to deal with. So I'm going to tell people, like, it's really not bad. (laughs) It's kind of great. Yeah. You know, Candy and I have talked about this, like, at our age, like, I am feeling good. I am feeling yeah. confident. I love the work that I do. Right. Yeah, I get these flashes and I'm a little imbalanced, but big picture is like I'm in the prime of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it feels really good to be where we are. Yeah. And and I, I want to bring this up and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it was in the book and I think it's important. I think we need to talk about gut microbiome yes and the importance of your intestines like i i remember in medical school when i learned about pyres patches which helps create like immune response in your intestines and people don't realize how important the gut microbiome is for your overall health can you touch on that a little bit Yes, I would love to. First of all, going back to Ayurveda, one of the things that I love about ancient indigenous wisdom is wisdom. So in Ayurveda, what we are taught, and this is a system that was developed 6,000 years ago before we had anatomy lessons and an understanding of the immune system in this modern conventional scientific way or a way to measure bacteria or any of that, right? They knew all health resides in the mind and the gut. The way I was trained in Ayurveda 
is that you do your assessment, it's individualized, and it's filtered through the paradigm. At any time you are preparing any kind of herbal, and the medicine is plant-based because all medicine comes from plants, okay. even pharmaceutical, like 30% of pharma is from plants. Hello, what do people think? Um, you always make a preparation for the gut and the mind, no matter what the complaint is. So what does that tell you? They got it because they understood what we consume, food, relationships, via all of your senses, media in this day and age, has an impact on who we are. It is literally making our bodies. We know that. What we consume right. is creating the cells of our bodies. The gut is where we're digesting. We are literally digesting. Okay. So Ayurveda tells us this. Now, modern science has caught up. It was really interesting because I reached out to Dr. Emron Mayer, who's probably the preeminent microbiome expert on the planet. He's at UCLA. He was really lovely. I interviewed him for the book because the thing that we know is that the gut microbiome has an impact for sure on hormone production. It has an impact on everything. It hasn't, like you said, the major immune system actually is in your gut. Major part of your central nervous system, so serotonin, dopamine is being produced in your gut, not in your quote nervous system, it's really in your gut. So that's why you have a gut instinct, why you have a pit mm. in the stomach, right? Mm -hmm. things, these, these sayings didn't come from nowhere. Right. Um, and I said, so how, how does this relate? He's like, we don't know. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. like, stop. So it's still something we're looking at, but we do know if we go to the basics and we look at gut digestion and how we are feeding ourselves, everything else is coming from there. So it's, it's common sense. I love conventional medicine. It is a miracle. Think, you know, you can have a car accident and live to see another day. Mm -hmm. However, it's funny to me and ridiculous at best that common sense flies out the window and you need 40 studies that go on for 17 million years and cost a billion dollars in order to believe it. And we have colleagues in the conventional community that don't understand that they are colonial and white supremacist when they reject and um, disregard ancient wisdom because it's woo. Mm -hmm. Wow, right. that's really disrespectful. Right. You just said that indigenous culture is meaningless when in fact, you went over and turned it into something, used your words, took it and made it into your own and now this is better. <laughs> it's right. funny and it's gross. Right, or the fact, and you touch on this in the book, that they, it's called complementary medicine. Right, what, complementing mm. what? Right, as if, Stop. well, this Western medicine, and then this is kind of a nice little adjunct rather than equally important. Yeah, I mean, whatever. You and I could do a whole podcast on that. Right. It makes me, you. I'm getting mad now, so, so um, give so me a hot flash. <laughs> with, regard, with regard to the gut biome, that translates to eating stuff that seasonal for the time you're in, yes. locally and plant-based. That's one thing that was stressed in the book. Like Suzanne wasn't talking about, oh, you have to become a vegetarian. But no. incorporate more plants. Yeah. Eat, eat for your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Avoid processed foods. And mm -hmm. then another thing in the book that was mentioned a lot is exercise. And you have to do resistance training, you know? Um, Strength training. Yeah, yeah. We really yeah. do. We really do in order to keep our bones strong, in order to build that muscle and lean body mass. Um, and But joy, the thing is, yes. you have to, if you don't like the movement, you're not going to do it. 
Right. Do right. something that brings you joy. Um, do something that is enhancing your life that you look forward to and that makes you feel better. And it's not about, look, do I want to fit into some clothes that I don't fit into? Yeah. I, really, I want to be healthy. I want to live so that I can, you know, dance at my grandchildren's mm -hmm. weddings should mm -hmm. they decide mm -hmm. to do that. You know what I'm saying? And that I'm not worried about walking in my neighborhood and tripping on the sidewalk and breaking a hip. Right. You know, I, I, I want to just pause on this idea of exercise. Um, joyful movement. We heard about that yesterday. So what does bring you joy? Are you joyful on the treadmill? Or do you want to take a salsa dancing class? Right. So also exercise does not have to be, you know, at the weight bench pumping iron. Right. It can be um, squats in your living room while you're watching Netflix. So so we need to also rethink our idea yeah. of what exercise should look like. Yeah. And this was something that was discussed yesterday and I so appreciated. But I also want to mention that... Um, I recognize when I was like working out all the time and I'm coming back and I'm getting on the scale and I'm like, shit, that number has not changed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm doing everything right. And I'm expecting to see this, this change in my body. And then I realize, oh, but my body isn't the same now, right, right. the way it was 10 years ago. It's going to respond differently. Right. So I had to shift my mind while I'd still love that number to drop. I have to shift my mind and recognize, okay, but internally I am healthier. Right. I might not see the number on the scale. I might not see it in my stomach, but internally I'm getting healthier. Right. So right. that's also something I think that we really need to normalize for people. It's not about the number on the scale. It's absolutely, absolutely. Right. And you know we're we we were raised again in this sort of weight obsessed yeah. uh, culture, and in like a very specific body type, mm -hmm. which is so damaging. And you know I've spent fifty plus years unwinding personally for myself. I think it's it really not that it doesn't exist anymore, but I think some of the positive things about like the body positive and the sex positive movements that, that are out there and, and frankly, you know, the community of, of people that are our kids age has had a really good influence on me and on people in general, but there's still a lot of norms around beauty and I, I don't know, people have to do the work around that and, and everybody gets to make their own choice. But for me personally, I just have had to let go of certain things because it's, it's not healthy for my mm -hmm. mental health. Right. 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 You know, and it's not healthy for your body. You know, we all know about skinny fat, like skinny isn't healthy necessarily. Right. 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 Um, and those last few pounds that you can't seem to lose that your body's holding on. The reason it's happening, and I learned this in the book, is because your fat cells have estrogen and estrogen is trying to keep your bones healthy. Yeah. So mm. as yeah. we age... Our bones um, are less d dense. And then our miraculous body says, well, let me hold on to these fat cells. And the estrogen in the fat is trying to keep our bones from breaking, which like, I never knew. Yeah. I ne I, and yeah. I, I, I love that tidbit of information because mm -hmm. our body is accommodating for the stage that we're at. Exactly. I mean, there's some evolutionary biology um, evidence that shows that the little muffin top that we get, that's because our body's trying to make, you know, we've convert um, 
estrogen and fat cells. And so our body's trying to hang on to that. Like it, you know, it's actually trying to help us. It's not trying to hurt us. I mean, and right. I think instead of being in this war with our body, maybe listen to our bodies more. Our bodies are actually trying to help us. Our bodies mm -hmm. don't care about what's in a, you know, online or in a magazine. That's mm -hmm. not, it's not a thing for them. Yeah. So, um, you know, Suzanne, I just want to thank you for being so generous with your time and um, just want to let our listeners know that we're going to be having a giveaway with this book. We have signed copies, yes, signed copies, <laughs> copies of the book that we're going to be giving away that we'll put on our, uh, our Instagram page, the details, but um, you know, the one thing, um, well, there are many things I got from the book, but the one thing is build a community, build a community of support. We are better together and cultures that uh, respect the wisdom of the older women do better than those who do not. Yeah. Well said, Candy. Well said. Suzanne, I, I honestly feel like we could continue this conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not ready to be done, quite honestly, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, I think maybe we need to do a part two in a little yeah, bit, Candy. We'll I'm schedule that. Uh -huh. I'm happy to. Because be this, is, this is such um, great information to share with the audience um, and so very empowering to yeah. know, first, you know, that we're not alone. Exactly. And second, to know that our body is doing exactly what it should be doing. Like we're normal. Yeah, yeah, we are normal. We are at, of a certain age. Right. And in that age range, our bodies are doing exactly what it was meant to do. And it is a beautiful thing, though it can be frustrating and can be annoying. It's, it's, we're leveling up, like you exactly. said. Exactly, exactly. Let's level up. All right. Absolutely. Thank you so Thanks, much. guys. So good to All see right. you. Okay. Bye, Love babe. You thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Tusoka with Dr. Suzanne Gilbert-Glenz. If you are going through that change of life where your body's changing and you don't seem to recognize yourself, you have a little bit more um, muffin to your muffin top and um, you're feeling warm and um, you aren't really familiar with who, who you are or what your body has become. Please know that it's perfectly normal and we can relate. We can relate. Please join us at tusokapodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, any thoughts, suggestions, questions, please feel free to email us or join us on Instagram. As always, we thank you for being here with us and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye. No Longer Network.